we are moving our way through the book of Ephesians chapter 4 by the grace of God we hope to consider verse 28 but before that I'd like to read the chapter then pray Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former man of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work 
with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you may help us this time as we consider your word. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us the voice of Christ that we may listen and listen keenly and attentively. We pray that you may help me to be used as an instrument in your hand to faithfully proclaim your truth. Help my hearers as well to be faithful in their hearing that they may be strengthened by your word, that they may be built up in the most holy faith. We pray, Lord, that your saints may be equipped indeed for the work of ministry, that they may be built up, that they may mature and attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Grant us your spirit, Lord, to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we might have the revelation of who you are. We pray that you may strengthen us in our inner man, for we know that we are weak people, we are feeble. We pray that your spirit may quicken us to these truths and help us not to merely hear your word, but also do it, seek to submit to it and obey it. Uh, we pray that you may strengthen us, Lord, for these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 is about walking worthily. Verse 1, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How do you, work, how do you walk worthy as a Christian? You walk worthy as a Christian based on what you've already been told in the first three chapters of this book. Based on what God has done. Based on the work of salvation. The finished work of salvation uh, through Jesus Christ. This morning we come to verse 28 um, we, we last, last week we considered verse 25 and we saw the in these examples Paul uses uh, three principles uh, the first one is um, he says in verse 25 to put away falsehood uh, there's a negative command there there's, a, there's something you need to put away to put off and uses again positive exhortation. After you put off something, what are you exhorted to do positively? He says, to speak the truth with his neighbor. <coughs> and then he gives us the reason. He gives us the reason that we are members one of another. Uh, because we are a church, he's already spoken about unity in this chapter. We are one because Christ has made us one, both Jew and Gentile. We are to speak the truth. Because saying a lie, living in falsehood has the capacity to bring division and strife. 
there will be no unity in our midst if there is lie. And then we looked at verse 26 and 27. The same principle again. Positive exhortation. Be angry. If you're a Christian, there should be a reason for you to be angry. You should be angry for the things that bring glory to God. You should be angry at the things that are, that are, that are contrary to the law of God. And then we see the negative command. And do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. We see that righteous anger is quick. But sinful anger is um, does is, is harbored. Uh, and so if you have sinned in sinful anger, you should not stay in that state. You should quickly seek to repent of your sins. Because if you don't do that, you are given the reason. Verse 27. If you don't quickly uh, repent of your sinful anger, you're giving opportunity to the devil. You're giving a foothold. We have an enemy, brethren. And you're giving a foothold to that enemy, the devil. And you saw what anger can result to. People commit murder. People kill others because they were angry. They harbor that bitterness. Um, people commit all kinds of serious sins. Uh, and so sinful anger should be repented of quickly because it is, uh, it, is, it is against the law of God. Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother, what have you done? You're a murderer, isn't it? You've committed the sin of murder. Uh, and so sinful anger should be repented of. This morning, come to verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The same principle again. Um, negative command. Let the thief no longer steal. The thief is dissuaded from stealing. And then you have the positive exhortation. But rather let him labor. Doing honest work with his own hands. Then you're given the reason. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Have you ever been Have you ever been subject to to thief, thiefery? Have you ever been robbed? I should say I guess all of us have experienced that loss of robbery or theft. It is a terrible feeling. And this morning We are told that the thief should no, should no longer stay. This is Paul's admonition to us as Christians in relation to stealing. Because before we came to Christ, one or the other, we were thieves. And you shall look at that today. By nature, we are selfish, self-centered people. By nature, we're always thinking of getting rather than giving away. Stealing will impact the unity of the Christian church. Stealing will destroy the trust among believers. If you knew someone was a thief this morning, 
and they are seated right next to you, you'll be very cautious, isn't it? With your phone, with your money, even with your Bible. There will be distrust. There will be disunity in the church. Paul says, now that you have been saved, this is one of the things you need to put away. Since you've been delivered from the power of sin, sin has no longer any dominion over you. You may struggle in it, yes, but it has no total control over you. The, the, the power that lives inside of you can overcome sin. You see, salvation, brethren, is so radical, it's so powerful, it is so life-changing, it's so transforming that the person who used to rob other people, the person who used to take away from others, begins to give it to others by working honestly. When Jesus came into your life, when Jesus transformed your heart, he began to hate your sin, you, 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 you came to the realization of how awful your sin is before a holy and a righteous God. It was not rehabilitation. It was not psychology. It was not turning over a new leaf. It was a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You loved him. You loved his law. You wanted to obey him. You wanted to follow him. You wanted to walk in his paths. If you're a Christian, you'll be made a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You have a new anger. A new anger against sin. Before you became a Christian, you had anger against the gospel, isn't it? When the word of God was preached, it enraged you. You were angry about it. It did not please you. But now that your heart has been changed, you are angry against the things that disobey God. You are angry against the things that do not bring glory and honor to God. All those who love the Lord hate evil, Sami says. And so there is a right anger, there is a proper anger, and there is a wrong anger. And so as we go through these imperatives, I want you to see that based on what Christ has done for you, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is not moralism. Christianity doesn't come and say, um, stop, stop stealing, begin to work so that you can help others. And it ends there. Stop stealing, do an honest work, help others, because of what God in Christ has done for you. God does not require of you something that he has not done in a greater and immeasurable way. And so when you came to Christ, you did not simply come to be saved from eternal damnation. You did not simply come so that you can go to heaven. You came... Be to be made a new person, a new creation. He created a new holiness. It says in verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God created a new holiness and truth. Your nature has changed. 
You turn from the direction of deceitful desires to the direction of true holiness and righteousness. And therefore, this is how you ought to live. These are the things that you ought to pursue. And you're given the reason why. We should be absolutely truthful as we've looked at. We should, be, we should have a proper and a righteous anger. And then he says in verse 28, stop stealing. Stop stealing. Um, the message is titled, Go and Steal No More. Go and steal no more from the words of Christ. And the first point I want you to see is stop stealing. It's very clear there in verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Literally, it can be rendered stealer, stop stealing. And then secondly, second thing, work hard. You can clearly see there but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. The kind of work being portrayed there is toilsome, hard work. So work hard and then thirdly, give generously. Give generously so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. As you read this section, I want you to see the power of the gospel. I want you to see the kind of people God has saved. He has saved in verse 25, liars. He has saved in verse 26, people with sinful tempers. He has saved in verse 28, thieves. He has saved in verse 29, people with impure speech. He has saved in verse 30, people who grieve the Holy Spirit. He has saved in verse 31, people with bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice, all kinds of malice. Jesus came to save sinners. He did not come to save the righteous people. Because there are no righteous people on this earth. Those who claim to be righteous have not seen themselves for who they truly are. And so it is a trustworthy statement, deserving of all praise, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. There are people, you may be seated here, thinking that you're okay, that you're healthy, that you do not need salvation, that you are, you're fine. Jesus did not come to save people who do not need salvation. Jesus Christ came to save people who need salvation. There are no people who are healthy. There are no people who are righteous. There are no people who are good. Romans says, there's no one good. There's no one righteous. The moment we think that we are, we are well, that I'm fine, that I can be better, I can be improved, that is what keeps men from coming to Christ. And so, it's not simply the lying that keeps people from being saved. It's not this, the stealing. It's not the impure speech. It can be your belief 
that you do not need to be saved. You believe that you're righteous because you do good works, because you, you've come to church today, because you read your Bible, because you pray. That is not salvation, brethren. Those are the fruits of salvation. Salvation is putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting and casting all your hope in Him. If you have no understanding of the wrath of God against your sin, that will keep you from being saved. If you, if you have no understanding of the holiness of God, that will keep you from being saved. If you don't understand the standard of God's law, how the bar is so high that no human can attain it. Jesus tells the Pharisees, Jesus, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness exists that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you cannot enter heaven. People used to think the Pharisees are going to heaven. But Jesus says, even them, they're not going to heaven. Because there's no one who is perfect. And everyone who looks to the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Do you realize that all sins today, brethren, are worthy of death? The wages of sin is death. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor, the, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Bible says here, that all sins, all kinds of sins, are worthy of death and eternal damnation. But if I'm a Christian, I've been forgiven of all my sins, my past, present, and future sins through Jesus Christ. When Christ forgives you, when Christ saves you, He saves you to the uttermost. His precious blood has washed away all your sins, all your past. Remember of Zacchaeus when he was converted? He was a thief, isn't it? Um, the tax collectors used to extort money from the people. And this time Jesus Christ is passing by. Zacchaeus is short. He climbs up the sycamore tree to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, What well, come down? For today I'm going to to to, to, to do to to your house to dine with you and his heart is changed he's dramatically changed from being a taker to a giver he says to Jesus Christ I'm going to pay back all those I've extorted money you see salvation moves in two directions there's the putting off and there's, there's the putting on and so we are justified we are sanctified Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He has imputed us with his righteousness and we've been declared righteous through him. That's the power of the gospel. Isn't it glorious, brethren? Is it possible for a Christian to say a lie? Is it possible for a Christian to steal? The answer is yes. 
because you still have remaining sin in you. You still struggle in sin. You're not perfect. But the Bible tells us to put them away, to fight against the deeds of the flesh, to mortify the deeds of the flesh, to kill sin, because you've been given the grace and the ability to do so. Put these sins away. And so salvation is both the finished work and an ongoing work. Our Lord Jesus Christ has once and for all finished the work of salvation. On the day that Jesus Christ, on the day that you receive Jesus Christ, you are justified, sanctified, adopted. But there's still an ongoing process where the Lord Jesus Christ is helping you into this new life that you're living. And so you're fighting from a place of victory. Victory has been accomplished. You've been sanctified, justified. You've been glorified. But now you're walking into those blessings. And so you need to learn to live a new life. And so the first point, stop stealing. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Stop stealing. Literally, stealer, stop stealing. What is stealing? It is to take possession of something and use it as your own. And it's not yours. It can be you borrowed something from someone and they forgot it. And you've taken it as yours. It can happen with money. It can even happen in the realm of worship. When we, know, when we are here and we do not give God our all, what are we doing? We are stealing from you, isn't it? Romans 12 says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. You are to give everything to the Lord. So that to withhold your attention, to withhold your delight, your heart, your focus to Him is to steal from Him. Another way we can steal from God is failure to worship God with our gifts and offerings. You see, you give to God as an expression of your gratitude to Him. When you give to God, you're acknowledging that everything that you have belongs to Him. When you give to God, it is an expression that you love Him. That you want to worship him. When God's people failed to worship him with his gifts and, uh, and offerings, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, God says that you're, you're thieves. You, you've robbed. You've robbed me. And so everything that he has given us should be used for his glory and to his end. We are not to take what he has given us. And use it as if we are real owners of it. If we take what God has given us and use it as, as real owners, we are stealing from the Lord. We can steal from our employers. In Titus chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, Born servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering. Pilfering is stealing. 
you know, it say that in most places of employment, employers have problems. Not from, sorry, um, employers lose a lot of a lot of their property not from people from outside, but from who? From the same employers, isn't it? They people embezzle, misappropriate funds. Uh, they can exaggerate their expenses. And so you can steal from your employer. You can steal from the shop owner. When they give you an extra change, you get home and you realize that you have extra money. You decide not to return it back, you have stolen. You ought to return it to them because it's not your money. You can steal time. You can steal time from your employer. The employer is paying you to work for eight hours every day, five days a week. But you're late at work, for instance. You leave work early. And so you're stealing their time. They are paying you for, for work you've not done, isn't it? And you can steal their time as well when you are in the workplace. You're in the social media. You're not working. You're not being productive in the workplace. You're stealing time from your employer. Because they are paying you for something you've not done. And so that salary is theft, isn't it? You can steal in form of ideas. You're in the classroom, you're being an exam, and you glance over the paper of the person seated next to you, and you use their answer to your end. That is cheating, that is stealing. You can steal in the realm of relationship. We saw that every act of adultery is what is an act of stealing. You're taking someone who doesn't belong to you and and and, and misusing them and abusing them. You remember when Prophet Nathan confronted David about his sin and used that par parable of uh, the rich man who had many, many uh, cattle and this one man who had one lamb. And in the parable, um, Prophet Nathan describes it as stealing. That this rich man went and stole that one lamb from that poor man. It can be stealing from, uh, stealing can be in the form of, of small things, children stealing coins from their parents, and that gradually uh, escalates and becomes worse as they grow up. Stealing can be the form of cheating on your taxes, cheating on your spouse. And so you may wonder, why is stealing so hateful to God? Why is it wrong? It is wrong because there is selfishness at the root of stealing. You have coveted someone else's property. You've taken something that doesn't belong to you and you don't care about the other person. In stealing, the only person that matters is you. Stealing is also very hateful in the eyes of God because it is a form of laziness. People who steal do not want 
to work at what they get. The concept is why put my time and energy? Why should I wake up on, on Monday morning, go to work? While I can steal in the evening, isn't it? It is a form of laziness. It is the idea of wanting something for nothing. You've not worked for it, you've not labored for it. You want maximum output for minimum input. I want you to see also that before you steal in action, you've already stolen in motive. You have people in this generation of ours, they do not want to work. People go to work and it is very laborious, it is very tiresome for them and they hate it. They do not want to work. Another manifestation of stealing is misuse of resources, misuse of abilities. You, you read about robbers, for instance, there's a book called My Life in Crime. Ever thought how much planning goes into robbery? How much intellectual effort and energy went into that? How much brain power was misused? What brilliance could be used for the glory of God instead? Yet someone in his intellectual ability uses it to dishonor God. And so stealing is the misuse of our brain, isn't it? Misuse of your hands, of your feet of everything about you. Here we are told, doing honest work with his own hands, with his own hands. I want to be very clear this morning that this is not moralism. The reason why you should stop stealing if you're a thief is because for the glory of God. And so this is not legalism. Christianity is a redirection. Christianity tells you to stop doing something and to do something else for a higher reason, the glory of God. And Christianity tells you to do that because you're no longer under the dominion of sin. You have power to do it. God is not asking you to do something that you can't do it. The power and dominion of sin has been broken by Christ. And so the idea of labor here, he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. The idea of labor here means to grow weary, to toil. You see, work is a good thing. You should get tired from working. You should have a nice sleep at night because you're tired. But young generation, people of today, they think it is strange. You mean I get tired from working? I do not like this job. You wonder what are you supposed to, to do? You see, this is the kind of work that leaves you tired and exhausted. And so laziness is out of order for Christians. Working should be for your benefit. In terms of virtue, you grow in discipline, you grow in patience, you become, uh, you, 
you grow in self-control. And so one should not only work here for their good, but also for the good of others, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see, work provides for the needs of your family and for the needs of others. If it is a legitimate work, you can do it with good conscience. You can give your energy, your time. You can wake up early in the morning because the work you're going to do is legitimate. It brings glory to God. You see, work is not an end to itself. It brings glory to God. But also you see the benefit of work there. That there's a reward. That you can earn something from doing an honest work. That you can meet your needs and need of others. You need to work with an excellence that with, with excellence because that glorifies God. If it is legit, legitimate work, you need to work with endurance. You need to work with enjoyment. Because work is a gift. Work is a gift given to you by God. And you need to perform with your own hands. You have to take personal responsibility. That's the idea there. Personal responsibility to provide all your needs and the needs of others. Paul says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Christians take personal responsibility to work so that they are not needy. Does it mean that we will never have people with needs? No. But those whom we are helping are people who are also working hard. But there's everything wrong with people who do not work and they are needy. If you're working hard and you have legitimate need, that is ordained by God. If you're poor, but you're striving, you're working hard, that is ordained by God, isn't it? But if you're poor, but you're not working hard, you bear some responsibility. It is good to work hard. It is good to get tired. All of us must change our mindset about work. And so we see here that we overcome stealing by proper employment, by performing in our own hands what is good. What kind of work do you do? What are you pressing in your hands? What kind of labors do you do that honors God? For example, can a Christian work in a casino? Can a Christian work in a bar? And that work cannot surely be called good. It cannot be called honest. Isn't it? Because it's a kind of work that fills more people into hell than bringing people into heaven. And so you, you cannot do it with a clear conscience. Because it is betting, betting and drunkenness harms people, isn't it? And so the Christian ought to consider the kind of work that they are doing. Any job that keeps you from your God-given responsibility is not good. Any job that is not a work of mercy, a necessity, that keeps you from coming to church, is not good. Someone may argue, 
this is the only means of providing for my family and so I cannot be I cannot come to church on Sunday let me ask you do you believe that um, God can provide a means for you to take care of your family without violating his will if you understand of how God is great God is so wise then you cannot break his law to justify you going to work. You need to trust God to provide you a job that will not hinder you from dishonoring him. And then lastly, you see, that so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The reason we are given for the person to stop stealing and working hard is for them to give generously because their life has changed he goes from stealing to laboring he took other people property what other people had sweated to have and he ought to work hard for the good of others once you got saved you stop stealing and you start working you see the progression there. You stop stealing, you start working, and you give generously. And this is the ultimate purpose for our work. It's not simply to get, but also to give. As giving here refers to money alone. It can refer to many things. It can refer to you giving your expertise in the area that God has called you. Whether you're a mechanic, you're a doctor, you're a carpenter. There could be someone in need and you're a construction worker and you offer to help them build their house without pay. That's a form of giving. And so giving here is not simply about money. It's about what you get from your work. And this is the evidence that you've been changed. That your life has become new. You need to put away every kind of bad habit, every kind of behavior relating to stealing. Because Jesus Christ has given you power to stop it. <clears throat> so this is a mark of a new creation. Your entire desire has changed and you need to work for the good of others you need to labor for other saints and so may the lord help us brethren to glorify him in the areas of our calling jesus did not simply die for you for you to 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 to, to stop stealing but for christ to be your lord and savior and you ought to be the most generous people as christians because we learn from the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's only Christian who can Christians who can understand that. That Christ Jesus gave himself. The one who had all the glories in heaven. He became poor for you. He says, so that you can become rich. Rich not because of possession, material possession. Rich in your spiritual life. He was willing to take up weak human flesh. 
He was not born in a palace, he was born in a manger. He was born to poor peasant parents. He did not have a life of ease. He was the son of a carpenter. He went to the cross, though sinless and perfect, to die in our place. To die between two criminals, two thieves. So that those who trust in him can have eternal life. He suffered the full wrath of God, which was deserving of us. And for your sake he became poor, so that you can become rich. How can you lay aside? How can you not be generous to those who are in need? Seeing how much God has been generous to you. Giving you something you didn't deserve. Giving you blessings that you cannot exhaust. You cannot fathom. How can you not be generous to others? If you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, in your heart, you have the heart of Jesus Christ. You're no longer selfish. You're no longer striving to get things. The Lord is helping you to get more so that you can give more. And so may the Lord help us. Let us let us pray. Father, we pray that you may help us as your people to be truly generous with what you've given us. Help us not to withhold to the needs of others. Help us not to steal from you. Help us to work hard with our own hands, doing honest work, taking personal responsibility so that we might serve others and be a blessing to your people. Indeed, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Pray that you may be glorified and your people may be helped to seek you in all things. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.